Winston Smith's Diary. I'm your host, Winston Smith III, or at least that's the name I'm going with for now. We'll see how this plays out. So just bear with me for a little while while I get this thing started. I have a lot of ideas I want to get to as far as subject matter for episodes. I'd love to do some interviews with a lot of podcasts and free thinkers that, that I love to listen to. Um, and, you know, hopefully along the way I'll improve the production and we'll get some really good uh, content in here. Shout out to start off with to Scott from the Truezilla podcast for encouraging me to do this. If you guys uh, are not familiar with Truezilla, go check it out. They're awesome. Scott, Ed, and Megan. I got to meet Scott a few weeks ago at a festival here in Washington a couple weeks ago. We got to hang out. Super awesome dude. And um, he just encouraged me just, you know, just do it, man. Because um, I've been li listening to them for a while. And when I... I think they're about to celebrate their year anniversary or so. And as I was listening to them and watching them, I'm just thinking like, man, these people are cool as shit. If, if I was around them, we could, you know, we could hang out, we could chill, we could support each other and um, try and figure out what's going on here. So he encouraged me and thank you, Scott. And uh, hopefully I get to talk to you on here before too long. So for the first episode, I just want to basically the template for the first episode, if you get, um, if you were, if you notice the title of this podcast and, and get the reference, then a lot of this is pretty obvious to you or just kind of remedial information. But as a springboard for what I want to do is I'm just going to take quotes and examples from the book and just reflect on the literal manifestation that we have in our current world, which is uh, not too hard to do. But that's as a, as, a, as a first episode, I'm just going to start with that and then go from there. So off the top, I would say one comparison I can see pretty easily um, is Big Brother, the, you know, the omnipresent, oppressive, evil, state, authoritarian force in the book. Uh, I would say a very close, or a lot of facets of that are reflected in Google, right? Just think about all the information and the spying that Google has. I mean, they have emails, millions of people use their, their email account, um, myself being one of them. I've kind of switched over some of that, but I mean, they have years and years of my emails and chats. I mean, they have, you know, a lot of people use that. That's all recorded. Obviously, their search, they're the biggest search engine. Uh, your web searches can say a whole bunch about you. They own YouTube and the search engine on YouTube, which is the second largest search engine in the world. So they know everybody that you're subscribing to all the video content you're watching, you know, live streams. They, I'm sure they have algorithms to put you in a box as far as, you know, 
if you line up, if you watch this, 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 and this, you know, you may get put into <laughs> this category or that. Um, a lot of people use Google Maps GPS. Um, I do that myself. I try not to. Uh, I do it here and there. I believe they also acquired Waze, which is popular as well. I believe they acquired, so, you know, there's no way out there. Um, so try and look for an alternative to their GPS. Uh, they also, they own Android, the biggest operating system for mobile phones in the world as far as number of users. So along with that, they have your, they have your contacts. They have, you know, people you're calling and texting, and they have a list of all that. Uh, and then all these phones, you know, most of the phones, especially today, have, you know, they have fingerprint uh, or facial recognition. Uh, I'm sure, you know, they rec you recognize your voice. And, you know, just think about all the shit that's on your phone, all the apps on your phone, all the usage on your phone. They have all of that. They have your, I mean, Chrome, the web browser. I'm pretty sure that's top in market share. I don't know the exact number, but I'm pretty sure that's number one. Um, so they, you know, web history, your favorites, um, a lot of your passwords, all, all locked in there, all saved in there. Uh, Google Drive uh, and Google, you know, doc, you know, people, uh, Google Drive and Google Docs and their their Google Office Suite is huge now. A lot of people use that as opposed to Microsoft Word. Um, you know, it's syncing your files across however many devices. So <laughs> that's all there. Um, you can actually look up a summation of your of your Google data, and if you do, I mean, if you search like my Google data, it can give you a, a, a nice uh, dossier on yourself of all the shit it has saved about you, and it's creepy as hell. Um, so if you do it, you might want to brace yourself, but if you want to get a nice uh, picture, go ahead and do that sometime. Uh, also, from the book, uh, censorship is a big deal. I mean, Winston Smith works in the Ministry of Truth, right? And his job is to edit, edit news articles and correct history to reflect the current lie that's going on. So, you know, he, you know, they, he corrects the amount of production that was, was forecast, uh, you know, a couple months ago. They were going to have 30 chocolate bars per person. It's going down to 20, so he has to erase it and make, make, make it look like that it's actually going up and this and that. So, I mean, that's, that's his job is to alter history, alter the narrative, alter facts, and control them in order just to keep everyone in line thinking what they're supposed to think. So we have plenty, as far as censorship, we have plenty, plenty of examples out there. Um, I'll start with YouTube. I mean, I noticed in the last couple of years, first, a lot of channels got uh, demonetized. A couple years ago, I noticed a lot of people that I follow were demonetized, and then now there's there's just straight up, you know, shadow shadow banning. They'll unsub you. They won't notify you when one of your creators is going live. They'll have little, you know, disclaimers under each video because they have. A, if there's a keyword in the title, excuse me, they will uh, they will make sure you're not straying from their approved narrative. You know, so they're just they're boxing in thought from every from every corner there so youtube is getting increasingly shittier every, every day and there there are some really good options if you're not familiar uh there's bitshoot there's odyssey rockfin um those are three really good ones float check out float.app uh there are alternatives with people that still have 
independent voice and truth that's being spoken without censorship. So you need to seek it out. YouTube is a really nice, convenient hub for content, and you know, they have a great app, and they have, like I said, the search engine, and they have a million videos of every conceivable subject. But I would say look for alternatives if you want more of the independent truth kind of thing because it's not going to – there's bits of it left, but it's, it's, it's steadily getting chipped away at. And it, YouTube is, is, is a lot worse than it used to be. So make sure you check out other options because there are a lot of, a lot of great – you know, sites and content media out there that you can utilize, that you can follow to get really good information from independent journalists and interesting creators that used to be on YouTube, so. So then uh, for, for another censorship, obviously we see the other, one of the big three is Facebook. So uh, just a few examples I can cite there. A couple years ago, Facebook deleted over 800 pages slash groups that were some of them were anti-war some of them were police the police etc you know any kind of um, anti-establishment populist any kind of group that was along those lines challenging any of the power structure a lot of these um, a lot of these pages and groups were removed so facebook is not your friend that was just uh, one example from a couple years ago uh, a couple of recent ones that are pretty important. Um, if you've seen the Project Veritas report, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago at this point, an insider was there, reported on the you know, policing and deleting of information of anyone expressing vaccine hesitancy. So they had different tiers of, you know, the level at which anyone was, if they told a story about a friend, a family member, someone they loved who had a bad reaction, or if they were just outwardly opposed to the vaccine and telling people don't do it, this or that. And they had different scales, different ratings of, of uh, it's, it's somewhat, expresses somewhat hesitancy and or it's outright adversarial to the whole mission. Uh, and they said, even if it's true, even if it's a firsthand account, these posts will be shadow banned, deleted, removed, blocked, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they have this whole thing policing true information, firsthand accounts of people, uh, whatever their tone is, however plausible it is, even if they have, you know, if they're citing, you know, if it's a personal story or if they're citing information from the CDC or VAERS or any of this stuff, any, anything that would possibly contribute to any hesitation was being knocked out, deleted, and, and smothered. So that is just straight up evil. I mean, they are they are right along there with Google and censoring, you know, and Twitter. Obviously, we'll get to that. But um, yeah, Facebook is is not good. Then then somewhat on the heels of that, there's one that came out a couple of days ago. Uh, it was an internal video has Zuckerberg and some other executive and they're talking about, oh, well, we do have these situations where leakers are coming out. And um, if you, you know, some people might think that leaking is really important or, or whistleblowing, um, but we will, we will root those people out and we will terminate them. So if you're thinking about leaking anything, we take that incredibly seriously and you better not do it because you will be fired and you will have a, uh, any action, if there is legal action that can be taken against you, 
we will pursue that. They, this is like an internal little Zoom meeting that was that was pushed out a few days ago that I saw. So on the heels of this Veritas and the, and the vaccine hesitancy, they're letting their employees know, don't even think about it if you give a shit about working here and we'll, we'll pursue even more beyond that. So, um, so yeah, they are, they, Facebook is, I know everyone, it's, there's a lot of things that they're, that are on there that are convenient and they're nice to share pictures and keep up with people and this and that. And there's groups that do serve a really nice, uh, function in our lives, but I promise you, you can live without it. Uh, I deleted my account back in, I think it was 2015, just because I found myself getting annoyed and. I'm wondering why I spent my time on there and all the shit that gets posted and the validation circles and people posting their dinner and doing uh, or doing their drive-by political little statements and memes and things like this. I just found myself thinking like, why do I keep checking this? Because half the time or more that I come here, I'm just annoyed and kind of pissed off. So um, trust me, you can get away from it. Um, you will actually find that it, it can help to kind of, you know, weed out, uh, quote unquote, friends, because, I mean, think about what Facebook has done to, to our social interactions and what we call friendships and our social circles and this and that. It's watered down what it means to be a friend, right? I mean, it serves some nice convenient purposes and waste time. And yes, it's cool, like I said, to keep up with different people from afar, college buddies and this and that. But think of what it's actually done. You know, you replace real relationships and real interactions with people with thumbs up or thumbs down or little comments or this or that. And I don't think overall it's, it's a positive thing. So seriously think about getting off there if you haven't. You can download your whole, you know, file of data, all your pictures and all this stuff. You can download a zip file and just get off there. And you don't need to, don't announce it, just do it. I, or try to. Try as best you can to get off there. You can live without it. Um, then we got Twitter, so an, an easy, an e I mean, they have so every, seems like every month or two, they delete somebody else or censor somebody else. Um, but going back to last year, um, they, they did the, the New York Post article on Hunter Biden and his laptop and all this. Uh, the New York Post, which is, I believe, the oldest operating newspaper in uh, the United States, and they simply just what they do lock their account for for posting a, an article that was supported with facts so you know uh if, if you if me mentioning this is kind of upsetting to you i guess i should let you all know um i don't i don't subscribe to either party red versus blue is bullshit if you think um politicians give a shit about you or they represent you at all then this is probably not the podcast for you and i would advise you to you know divest yourself of any emotion and, and any identity you associate yourself with any political candidate because they don't give a fuck about you whatsoever. Please remove your emotions and your identity from any political party, team, you know. Don't don't just jump into the narrative and, and pick a side. It's, it's a waste of your time and energy. And they don't give a fuck about you, I can assure you. So... Uh, going back to Twitter, the, yeah, the the Hunter Biden was uh, that whole issue was was a nice example. Uh, they deleted or they suspended Trump's entire account, and now I think I just saw the other day they're going to keep it suspended for for two years. I mean, no matter what you think of him, and I'm I'm not a supporter. I don't care if you are, or if you're not. But um, 
how absurd is it that you're not going to let at one time the current president speak and now you're going to let well, I think he has 80 million followers and you're going to not let him speak on your platform so okay I don't see why you want to hide information or hide a perspective and if you're afraid of what somebody's going to say then uh, I don't know what to tell you Along the same time, I think they, the, there was Parler, who was one of their competitors, right? I guess it's seen as more pro-Trump, more pro-Republican. Um, and they, what did they do? They blocked, they, you know, they shut down the app and all the app stores. And anyone who mentioned it on Twitter, that you couldn't even write, you know, a link to it. So they kind of shut out their competition, which is, um, that seems a little monopolistic, a little anti-competitive. But, um, but hey, that's what they do. And then uh, recently, in the last day, as I'm recording this, they suspended Naomi Wolf, who is a former Clinton advisor, you know, somewhat of a, a definitely a left-leaning uh, personality author um, and speaker. She now works for a technology company, does a lot of different things, but she has come out against the COVID tyranny. Um, and again, if you're... If, if that strikes a, a nerve with you, if you're, if you're a big masker and baxer and, um, and all that bullshit, you're not going to like this podcast either. Because I think the second episode we're going to do is COVID-1984. I think that plays really easily as the, as the second episode. So um, tune in for that if, if, you, if, you're, uh, if you're interested in that. Uh, but anyway, uh, Naomi Wolf was suspended from Twitter last night, today, something like that for just questioning masks and vaccines and lockdowns and even even giving any information contrary to it that is deemed uh, unacceptable information and will not be allowed on Twitter. So I, I think of the ref, the quote I saw, you know, where they say, you know, name one time in history where those that are censoring speech were the good guys. You know, I'll wait. But um, I mean, think of, think of all these big tech giants. They're censoring anything and everything very, very much in the vein of, of Orwell's uh, recipe. You're, you know, they're using it as a playbook instead of a warning. And we need to not accept that. So look for, look for competitors, look for alternatives, take your data off there as much as you can, and think about other options because these big tech companies are, they're bastards. They're pieces of shit. Okay, so pivoting from censorship to another facet of uh, 1984 would be propaganda, which we're totally swimming in. I mean, the mass media, that's all it is. So to start, I'm going to go back in history a little bit just to give a, a prelude of, you know, some, some examples from 100 plus years ago that just show you how ridiculous today's mass media is. Let's, let's go back a little bit and just let's talk about a few examples from yesteryear uh, and then you can imagine how much it's progressed from from there um, this example is from the congressional record for 1917 uh, it's quoting congressman oscar calloway and this was included in the congressional record volume 54 february 9, 1917 quote the jp morgan banking interest and their subsidiary organizations got together 12 men high up in the newspaper world and employed them to select the most influential newspapers in the united states and a sufficient number of them to control generally the policy of the daily press of the united states uh, 
they found that it was only necessary to purchase the control of the 25 greatest papers. An editor was furnished for each paper to properly supervise and edit information. Again, this is from 1917, Congressman Oscar Calloway. Look it up if you're interested. So what do you think has uh, become of you know, the mass media since then? Uh, another one that goes back a while is, uh, if you're not familiar with Edward Bernays, he was Sigmund Freud's nephew. He's considered the father of public relations and or propaganda. Uh, in 1928, he wrote a book called Propaganda, and this is a nice little quote from that. Again, this is 1928, quote, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes formed, our, our, our ideas suggested, largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which a democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society. In almost every act of our daily lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by the relatively small number of persons who understand the mental processes and social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind. Again, Edward Bernays, 1928. Then I'll jump up to, if you're familiar with um, Project Mockingbird, Operation Mockingbird, CIA. Uh, it's pro Who knows the exact date it started, probably in the 50s maybe, maybe earlier. But there was a church committee hearing on it in the 70s where um, they were, it was directly asking CIA agents uh, on the record, I think it was 75 or 76, you know, do you have... Uh, any agents that are paid by the CIA working in um, major n distributed newspapers or magazines. Uh, I think he's like, yeah. Is there anyone paid by the CIA that works for TV, et cetera, et cetera? And he says, oh, I believe we should get into this. Any, these details we shouldn't get in unless we do it into a private executive session, so on and so on. So that was in the 70s, and he's, the CIA, you know, Mockingbird, they, they, so they have assets, they have agents, they have people that manipulate media outlets, uh, they have people that work directly for them and mold, mold the argument how they, how they choose. Then we'll come up a little more modern. Uh, in 1996, Bill Clinton signed the Telecommunications Act, uh, which deregulated ownership of the media, allowing allowing it was I think it was more than 50 companies to where we had most of our media outlets merged or condensed down into five or six that own over 90 percent of every single television station magazine radio station you know nowadays internet um, all the all these things over 90 percent are controlled by some say six companies some say five but but essentially yeah you're not getting a diverse opinion when um, every pretty much every mainstream outlet that the average person is exposed to is owned by five or six companies. Um, and so a big catalyst for that was Bill Clinton in 1996, if you look up the Telecommunications Act. 
uh, Obama signed the Smith Modernization Act of 2012, which legalized propaganda that was formerly restricted to foreign countries and foreign operations, which the CIA is supposed to be uh, restricted to, and made it legal to use that domestically on United States citizens. So, I mean, they don't make these laws just for fun. I mean, if they're gonna, if they're going to, you know, sign a bill and this and that to to make it legal, why would you think they wouldn't use it? For a n more recent example of this, we have, um, there was a, a, another Veritas, hats off to them again, um, uh, a video of Charlie Chester from CNN, who they, they, they lured him in, I think he was going on dating sites and they had apparently women who were taping what he said as he's talking about working at CNN, he's like the technical director or something like this, or, and he just openly admits, um, yeah, we do propaganda. We we want we get people to tune in. We want all the eyeballs we can. We use fear. We cr we have the Corona death numbers scrolling and the Chiron as much as we can. We have all these graphs showing the most fear-based propaganda we can because uh, if it bleeds, it leads. And um, you know, he's, he's saying that there's a there's a actual red bat phone that he gets as the broadcast is going from, I think is it Zucker, the main guy at CNN, saying, "Hey, I don't see anything holding people here. We're not gluing them enough. You know, crank up the graphics, crank up the death toll of, of COVID and this and that." He just openly admits that that's how that's how they operate. They're there to 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 use fear and propaganda, and they and they and they guide, they walk people down a conclusion just by how they talk. The, you know the people they have on, the words they use, how they how they frame an argument, and and the questions they ask. It's all it's all leading the guests and the audience to just find the conclusion that they want, and he just openly admits this over and over and over and over. So yeah, if you if you watch CNN, um, again you might not like this this podcast, but. Uh, you shouldn't do that. But uh, when, if you stop and think how many people do, how they just turn it on and let it wash over them and imprint on their brain and they just copy and paste the ridiculous, stupid shit that's on there and then they parrot that as their point of view the next day and they, and they think that's how they're supposed to operate in the world. I mean, it's pretty scary to think how many millions of people do that. I mean, they get home and CNN and MSNBC are their backdrop you know, it's pretty scary to think. And um, while we're on the subject, I mean, Fox News, same thing. I mean, I'll, I'll give um, I'll give Tucker Carlson a little bit of truth, a little bit of credit, that is, for talking about a little truth uh, as far as COVID these days. But but again, Fox is certainly, you know, controlling. They're one of the huge conglomerates. So if you watch any of that at all, you need to compare and contrast that with independent journalists that are out there, you know. But um I can't control that. So if, if you do, think about considering other sources because that's, that's not good for your brain. Uh, one, more th one more thing we'll, we'll look at is uh, obviously Russiagate was a big waste of time, big pile of stupid bullshit with no proof. Um, but they pushed that for three, four, however many years, the Mueller report and the walls are closing in and it's the beginning of the end and oh my God, you know, this whole thing and there was no real proof at all. And they just harped on it and harped on it, repeated it and repeated it over and over and over for three plus years, whatever it was. And there's no real basis for it. And it's a transparent excuse to, you know, try and um, to try and explain 
why Hillary lost other than she was a terrible candidate, corrupt as the day is long and everyone can see it. And they just use that as an excuse to, to deflect from that. And they couldn't stand Trump and they couldn't stand his existence and the fact that he was there and they just, and enough people bought into it and tuned into it. And it is a, a gross, disgusting, mass operation of propaganda, the likes of which uh, we, you know, we haven't seen in modern history that has surpassed that. Well, maybe, maybe we're seeing it now, but that was sure a doozy, right? I mean, good Lord, what a pathetic waste of time that was. So let's switch from that to a couple of quotes and a couple of other scenarios in the book that uh, we can reflect in t today's world. Uh, a nice one is, you know, the, the quote a lot of people know is, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. So for that one, I'll go to say war is peace. I think that's a pretty easy comparison. If we go back to obviously the Iraq war, right? Um, it was justified that, oh, Iraq was involved in 9-11 and we have to preemptively strike. We have to, we have to make sure we cut out their their ability to, to attack us or do anything else. So we have to start a war uh, without the approval of Congress using the um, AUMF, the Authorized Use of Military Force. I'm just gonna preemptively strike and take out Saddam and take Iraq because I'm, I'm accusing them of being related or being involved in 9-11 and helping um, you know, Bin Laden and all this bullshit. Um, so that, that to me is a pretty, pretty just right on the nose example of war is peace, right? And I think right, you know, as far as right now, I believe, how many countries does uh, the U.S. have troops in? Six, seven, I can't keep track, you know? Um, so yeah, there's no longer congressional approval needed, apparently, for acts of war and deploying troops and engaging in, in, in hostile military actions and, you know, with who, whatever enemy they wanna, they wanna um, prop up, so. War is peace is, is definitely in effect. Um, freedom is slavery. I can think of the w first one that comes to mind as we see again with uh, with COVID, this narrative that's spindling out right now, but the whole, even the suggestion of a vaccine passport to me, right? You're saying, oh, you can be free. You can have your life back if you just take this experimental vaccine and then let me track you wherever you go. We're gonna give you an app and I'll let you in a restaurant or a, or a sports venue or the grocery store or whatever it is. The, the very suggestion to say that you can, have, you can have freedom if, right there, doesn't make any sense. You can have freedom if you take an experimental injection and then I track you wherever the fuck you go. Freedom of slavery. I mean, get the fuck out of here. Ignorance is strength. I mean, that, that goes back to, as far as I see, you know, those people that, that watch CNN and MSNBC and just, you know, they, they don't, they're not aware of, they're not being informed by the news at all. I mean, they don't know what's really going on. They're just wrapped up in their lives. I mean, some people have no choice. They don't have time. They're trying to make a living. They're trying to make sure their kids are okay and get them in school and pay the bills and just, you know, make it to work and, and back home uh, in one piece. And, and they don't, they don't have time to dig down and and I get it, you know, not everyone can do it or is inclined to do it. Uh, but then some people just also just revel in it, right? They're just, they're totally ignorant and that makes the state strong, right? So if, if the populace doesn't know what the fuck is going on, 
and their allegiance to the state and to the, the leaders are really strong. And we have a really, you know, a good, a good two minutes hate at whatever enemy they want to they wave in our faces, right? So, yeah, that's how I, that's how I think ignorance of strength kind of plays out. Uh, another one we have is the scenario where they talk about Oceania and East Asia and Eurasia, right? So at one time, we're allies with East Asia and we hate Eurasia. And then the other time, we hate East Asia and we love Eurasia. And they, and they flip back and forth, right? So depending on the uh, agenda of the day, certain, certain countries are allies when before they're enemies. I mean, right now, and if you look at... Um, I mean, apparently there, there's evidence that um, we've supported ISIS and Al-Qaeda and people related to that in Syria and in other uh, countries in the Middle East to meet certain tactical objectives, right? So you swear that they're the most horrible terrorists ever, and then you ally with them, you support them, give them weapons, give them tactical assistance for different little objectives. Um, that's, that's pretty gross. So... I mean, you know, they, they can swap in a new boogeyman, a new enemy, whenever it's convenient. Okay, moving on to another quote, uh, another favorite of mine is, who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. Right, so if you control history as people perceive it, which is definitely the case right now. I mean, I'm just starting to educate myself on some of the more real full history of the past hundred plus years just getting somewhat of a more real glimpse to it and it's and it's mind-boggling if you really know how we've led up to this point with the stuff that we've talked about with with propaganda and censorship how it's been going on forever and you know we are we're experiencing plato's cave we're experiencing propaganda we don't the the real history of, of events and how they were actually motivated and catalyzed and what made different things happen the average american doesn't know nearly half of you know the actual history that has gotten to this point and what what chess pieces and and who are who are the people actually playing the game moving the pieces on the board are right so it so if you actually control history and the consensus that is built around that then you c then you control the future, right? You control the past moving forward because if you just ex if you just accept that with which you're presented, you pro you know, and if you're not inclined to question it or go against the grain, you'll just accept the the power structure as it is, and you just kind of move along, right? So if you don't know actual history, then you won't learn. You know, as the saying goes, you won't learn from it, which is definitely a problem today. And you won't be able to make an informed decision or and you won't be able to, you know, really have any chance to dissent against what's going on if you don't know the actual root and of where this has all come from to get us to where we are now. So if you control the past, then that gives you a big leg up to control the future and who controls the present controls the past. So we go back to the the five media companies and the, you know, the, the power structure as it is right now. So, and then along the, uh, the other lines, when, when Winston is working in the, the Ministry of Truth, it says, uh, you know, the past was erased, the erasure was forgotten, the lie became the truth. And then another is, history has stopped, nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. You know, so if you manage 
where we think we came from, then you control what people, what their, what their reality is, the world that they live in. Another, another one that, uh, another term, not so much a quote, but doublethink, right? So the quote is, doublethink means the power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them. So that, so that's, that's cognitive dissonance, right? So you have this idea of what reality is, what is, what is cause and effect and what the world is. And you see in your paradigm your, and your worldview, and you see evidence that cannot coincide with that. Those two things cannot be reconciled where they balance and, y and you can synthesize one reality. Like this set of facts cannot exist with these other set of facts that, that I believe to be true. But that principle doesn't seem to stop a lot of people from doublethink these days. They have to intellectually know that something isn't right, but they just go along anyway, right? So that's uh, that's doublethink for you. Uh, another one I like is, uh, here's a quote, The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command. And along, along those lines, another one is uh, the heresy of heresies was common sense. So again, goes back to, to cognitive dissonance in a way. Like, I know that this isn't right. I know that they told me we were at war with East Asia a couple months ago. Now they're telling me that they are our most favorite ally, and they have been for decades. Oh, wait a minute. That's not right. Um, wait a minute. That's not true. But still, you're not allowed to use critical thinking. This is this is a a discouragement and a and a boot on the face of critical. You're not allowed to think for yourself. You're not allowed to let your mind wander outside of the Overton window or the the mass propagated narrative, right? Even though you know it's not right, there is an internal mechanism that says, "Well, I can't trust myself. I need to trust." I need to trust the state. I need to trust the authorities. I need to trust the, the media. I need to trust this talking head, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You outsource your thinking because if you think yourself for yourself, then there will be consequences that you don't want to face. So when, you, when you've, they've beaten it you know, all the way into you, then you can't think for yourself. You can't dissent. You're just, you love Big Brother. You have conquered yourself and you love Big Brother, right? And then uh, one last one I have is, is interesting is uh, the ministry of, here's a quote, the ministry of peace concerns itself with war, the ministry of truth with lies, the ministry of love with torture, and the ministry of plenty with starvation. These contradictions are not accidental, nor do they result from ordinary hypocrisy. They are deliberate exercises in doublethink. So yeah, so the ministry of peace concerns itself with war. So, you know, Department of Defense, right? Again, war is peace, defense, not, it's not the, the Department of Defense, it's the Department of Empire, if you want to really give it the proper title. It is offensive, it is aggressive, it is imperialist, and it is, you know, most often not to, in the service of defending our homeland or our citizens, um, it's more so just plundering, killing people, taking their shit, and inventing a reason to do that. That's that's what our that's what our military military industrial complex does, right? You know, 
the defense is not really an accurate moniker at all, I would say. It's more for just enriching humongous contractors and bankers and all the same fucks that have been doing this for decades or more. Um, it's not really geared toward defending our homeland or our, our citizens. It's, it's there to, to benefit uh, you know, the pocketbooks of those who, who, who have business interests in re resulting or relating to these, um, these offensive actions. Uh, the Ministry of Truth, that is they're actually trying to bring that about. If we go back to you know, the censorship and the approved narrative and this and that, you know, they want you to not think, they want there to be an approved state narrative that you don't, you don't uh, waver from. And, you know, at the same time, they're, 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 they consist of, uh, of lies. That's what they deal in. That's what the propaganda, that's what the mass media deals in. They deal in lies. And that's their mission. They're not there to inform you and to ensure we have a functioning democracy, which obviously we don't have that, but they are there to lie to you. And that's what the Ministry of Truth is there for. And, and uh, you know, if you look at all the so-called fact-checking and all this same, you know, stuff we stuff I mentioned about Twitter and Facebook and Google and all the, the shit that they do. Um, yeah, they're the, that's the big, that's the Ministry of Truth, right? They are there to police acceptable opinion and acceptable speech. The Ministry of Love with Torture. I don't know if there's a, a literal uh, reflection of that, but um, the Ministry of Plenty was dealt with starvation. That's interesting. So uh, that, that sounds like, you know, apparently we have all these, to me, the Ministry of, of Plenty with starvation. If you look at all these uh, left-wing big cities and all the tents that are out there, uh, obviously there's something wrong with this system, right? So... If you tell everybody that, yeah, the government's going to take care of you and you advertise that as your, as your appeal for power and for getting elected, and then you have in all these big cities thousands and thousands of people in tents, homeless, unemployed, underemployed, crying, and, and this and that, but you're telling them that the government cares and the government is going to take care of you. Just keep on, just keep on believing. Just keep on voting and keep on trusting in, in both parties that you know that one probably sells this more than the other but um but the ministry you know these these people are apparently there to to guide the economy so that we're all the most prosperous right the ministry of plenty deals with starvation yeah the our economic system and we'll go into that in a later podcast that's a humongous uh topic but, um, yeah, it's not there to ensure a healthy middle class and a, and a stable economy and, 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 you know, consistent currency or any, any of that shit. That, by no means, is that what it's there for. And, it, you know, it says these contradictions are not, not accidental, nor do they result from ordinary hypocrisy. They are deliberate exercises in doublethink. Yeah. So that's what we're dealing with. So that's where we're going to end episode one for now hope you enjoyed it thanks everyone for listening also a little thanks and shout out to stanley for help with the editing process we'll see you in episode two check it out coming soon it's gonna we're gonna go into a little covid 1984 so that should be a pretty easy continuation here and from there we'll see what else we do we're gonna look to interview some really cool people some pretty awesome guests and see where we go so I'll catch you next time, and until then, down with Big Brother.